What's up guys, welcome to the Imperfect Swing Golf Podcast. We're at the South African Open today and I'm joined by one of my good mates, Rourke van der Spey. Rourke, uh, nice to be out in Sun City after last week, eh? Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on here as well, Shannon. But yeah, what a, what a backdrop and yeah, what a start to hopefully our final stretch of our co-sanctions in a way. So yeah, looking forward to it. And you mentioned, you know, the weather's looking great. I mean, how was it playing in that weather last week? Couldn't have been very pleasant, to be honest. Yeah, I think the Joburg Open's become so synonymous with uh, thunderstorms that it's almost kind of expected at this stage. But yeah, it's just one of those things. Joburg in the, in the summer months, you know you're going to get them here and there. Uh, luckily, I wasn't really too affected the first two days. I had a nice early time on, on the second round, but yeah, falling one shot short, uh, I didn't have to worry about the weekend's play at least. So yeah, move and on. You, you know, falling one, one shot short, it hurts, but I mean, is there some positives to take from, from a week like that? Obviously, there's a, you can nitpick and, and kind of see where you need to improve. Yeah, and Firethorn's such a good golf course. I mean, Ram Park in general. So if, you, if you're around there coming into, into that moment on Friday where you know the cut line's going to be, you know, you haven't really blown the tournament at least. So yeah, knowing that I was there and thereabouts, obviously one shot shy, you make it three or four different shots and then you're almost top 20 as well. So it's just a really strong golf course where um, it's almost going to lead up to, to Sun City. It's, it's going to seem easier from, from this week's challenge as well. So yeah, good, good stead for that at least. And uh, what have you been working on? You, you haven't been out on the course yet, but you've obviously put in some work. What, what parts of your game are you looking to kind of uh, improve on this week? Yeah, the swing's in a pretty good place, which has been nice since I've started off with uh, my, my latest coach, with Sean Kutsia. So it's been almost a year with him now as well. So the, the swing work has been done, uh, which leaves pretty much the short game, which has always been a, a struggle area of mine. I think also growing up on the coast and trying to adapt to, to the Joburg style, it's still taking its, its yeah. time. But yeah, short game has, has still been the, the big, big focus for, for these co-sanctions or for these final few events for us. And you mentioned, you know, changing the, your, you know, golf coach or swing coach. Um, you know, when, you know, for professionals, we often see in the, the, the news headlines that like, for instance, Rory is now back with Michael Bannon and stuff like that. Um, for you personally, when does it come to a time when you're thinking, I need a change or something to that effect? Is it just, um, maybe you just need a different voice in your ear? Is that kind of the main thing? Because at this level, we all understand our swings to a point where we kind of know where we should be. Is it just kind of that, that little voice in your ear? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's, a, it's quite an in-depth question in, a, in many ways, which is great though, because like, <laughs> Um, for me, I kind of feel like I have a good understanding of my swing. I had a good basis in college, obviously, with Mark Immelman being yes. my coach there. That was kind of the groundwork for me for many years, even when I wasn't in touch with him as much and kind of started my journey in South Africa while he stayed over in the States. Um, and then fiddled with coaches in between that. Um, always felt like I was never reliant on a coach. Um, but eventually the results on the golf course, I think, start speaking. So I had a bit of a slump um, coming off the last couple of years. And I think that was just the point where you know, I'd been trying to do it myself and bounced around a bit yeah. and I just kind of pulled the trigger to say, okay, well, there's obviously something is not clicking. And yeah, I could feel it in my swing. I'm a natural fade player. And for a good year and, and a bit, I struggled with, with the right to left shape. And it was just, couldn't get myself out of that hole. And I think the further I started digging by myself, eventually I was like, okay, I need a, need a fresh start and then try something new again. And, you know, you mentioned a slump. Uh, you know, we've been good mates for, for, I think it's been like four years now. Yeah. It feels like it's, it's been longer than that. But, you know, I've always felt like your swing is, is pretty, pretty good. I mean, we've played a few rounds together and I've yeah. seen it in action. Um, is how much of, 
of it is it mental and, and how much is it you know like you said you felt it in your swing that you needed a, a change but how much of it do you think is actually just kind of mentally feeling comfortable yeah the mental side is is massive i think for me linking or harping on that mental aspect it became a point where um you know i almost needed to just step back a little bit and reassess because like you say the swing has always felt good yeah. and I'm, i've always um had faith in my ball striking per se and i always used to lose shots around the greens and yes. per, in, in, in essence so even when i was swinging it badly i was still had my chances to be you know making cuts or performing out there and stuff and when you start slipping out of contention and then into the missing the cut zone yeah. then you're like okay well where where actually is it and for me it, it came down to i guess momentum if you want to call it that um so even though the swing was struggling it was ultimately it was momentum so having the the new swing coach I think it also put a bit more of emphasis on, you know, just accountability, showing up, um, having that chiesa again, having that yeah. drive and stuff like that. And I think that's all part of it. When you're out there doing it yourself, you just get a bit lost. You might be putting in more hours by yourself, but you're just going around in circles yeah. almost. So it wasn't so much the, yeah, the the searching for it. It was just maybe just packaging it all together and making it more quantity over, I mean, quality over quantity, basically. And I guess that that's that's an interesting point. Is like. Because often, I mean, I worked with uh, with a coach for about four years, and same thing. I think it's that structure that you know sometimes we go we, we don't get when we're trying to find something on our own. What has kind of changed for you now? Obviously, being over a year with Sean, um, is there a bit more structure in the way you're doing things? And like you mentioned, that accountability is kind of you know you got someone to yeah. kick you in the, the exactly. ass if you're not if you're not doing things correctly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been resigned. I've been living up in Joburg for about almost four years now. Sean's down in, in Durban side where I grew up and my family's still there. So I've been able to manage my, my time kind of 50-50. And when I'm in Durban seeing Sean, it's, it's business only pretty much. So yeah. it's not like a holiday now anymore where I go there and relax. But Durban to me now is, is work time. And that, like you say, it's structure and accountability. And he's also got an institute there with, you know, I think four or five other Sunshine Tour players, two or three big easy players as well. So the institute itself feels a lot like American college. Yeah. So you're also not just accountable with yourself and the coach, but there's other players and groups that are always happening and entertaining each other and playing and, you know, competing against each other, even in the weeks off, which has been great, I think, for me as well, just to keep that intensity up yeah. during the weeks off and stuff. So it's been good. And, you know, you've, you've won twice on the Sunshine Tour. Um, I mean, firstly, describe the, the difficulty of winning Archie. I think the Sunshine Tour is very underrated in terms of the, the level of play out here. You know, people may look at the, the prize funds and, and think that's the level of play, whereas I think this is probably one of the most competitive uh, golf tours in the world. And the fact that we're just playing for less money doesn't take anything away from that. So how is it, you know, when you do you think back to those two wins just to kind of rekindle those those emotions that you felt over those periods yeah definitely i mean especially when you kind of in that limbo zone yeah. like you say of just sitting and waiting almost and wishing but yeah the, the wins are important they they are memories they're in the memory bank as well um i think if my memory serves me correctly it was 2015 and 2018 yeah. Which means I'm on a three-year stint, I think. So 2021 being time. three years since the last one. Yeah, hopefully it ticks over again soon. So yeah, I mean the the timing of it happens when it happens. You you almost can't really predict the wins. You just got to keep doing what you're doing and putting one foot forward. And and yeah, hopefully the the process itself takes takes care of that. Is that kind of just the way things are? You, you know, like you mentioned, you can't really tell when you're going to win, but you can feel 
that the process is kind of fulfilling itself over and over again as long as you put in the work that result will then come again is that what kind of where you are right now absolutely i mean yeah i mean i think the the process is is all part of it i think leading up to my other wins as well there was a slight trend of you know feeling like you're in contention yeah. once or twice maybe in the three or four events leading up to it and then yeah then the week that it all happens it just kind of all comes together but you you got to build those good vibes you got to almost treat every week as you know take the best opportunities that you can and look at all the the positives um, especially like a win in Zambia as an example it's such a interesting country where you can feel like out of sorts and you know exactly. away from home and in a place where things move and work differently but if you can actually use those to your advantage, you actually gain a, a, a leap on the field, basically. Yeah. Same with these co-sanctions in many ways. Like you said, the Sunshine Tour, the level is so strong that when we give up half our spots, almost the European Tour guys, you might think, oh, you know, the European Tour is in town or whatever. But in actual fact, you know, you're actually on our home courses. Exactly. It might even be better playing against some of the European Tour guys who might be out of their comfort zones as opposed to a full South African field of the guys that are just playing here week in and week out. And, yeah, the, the sunshine competition is, is extremely strong. So, yeah, you can't fault that at all. And, you know, coming to a, a place like Sun City where there's, uh, it's fair to say there's a few distractions around here. Um, <laughs> how is it, you know, how have you kind of structured your week, um, you know, this week? How are you planning your week out where there'd be nine holes, 18 holes and practicing days and, and time to take off? Because... You know, we're going to be, it's going to be about 35 degrees consistently yeah. this week. So you can't be too, too um, overworked out here. You, you'll definitely feel it coming down the stretch on Sunday. Yeah. And I mean, Sun City has been such a great venue for us and such a long time partner, Sun International with the tour that I think we've been averaging three or four visits here a year um, for over the last two or three years as well. So it does feel a bit like a home <laughs> away from home in many ways. So. Yeah, it seems pretty easy to just slip into the, the routine. I've kind of figured it out over the past few visits. Um, and like you say, especially watching the weather. Last week was a bit of a coldish one, surprisingly. Yeah. But, you know, this week we back up to that 35, 40 mark and it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. So luckily, uh, I feel comfortable on the course. I know the course pretty well by now. We've, we've seen it enough. So, yeah, the work starts here on, on the Monday. But, yeah, you definitely want to ease into it until you start on Thursday and, and save that energy. Luckily, we're not one of the players that need to come out here and scope every inch of this course, exactly. like some of the first time visitors here this week. And, you know, Gary Player Country Club, great course, uh, quite soft out there. Um, yeah. You know, what are some of the key holes out there that you feel, let's call it like your scoring holes. What, what, what are the holes that you <laughs> have in mind? You know, like you mentioned, we've, I think this is what the third, fourth time this year that you guys are coming through here. So, like you mentioned, you have a good understanding, but where do you think are the pivotal holes where you can possibly get some, some good momentum? You know, something that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, 100%. I mean, <laughs> Gary Player, it is, it is such a strong course, as you mentioned. So you feel like the opportunities aren't many out there. But to be honest, that kind of works in my favor a bit. It kind of feels a bit of a, a coastal feel where yeah. Pa is your friend and you try and keep the doubles off the card in many ways. Uh, with regards to opportunities though, the par fives here are, are pretty crucial. I mean, if you get the ball in the fairway off the par fives, most of them are reachable depending on where the tees are. Um, and then there's a couple par fours in between where they like to throw things around as well. I think probably the old sixth hole, which might be the 15th yes. now. Um, with they, the love grass in with the... With the love grass in the front and they can throw that tee yeah. forward and make it semi-drivable. But 
even that hole on a normal day, you know, you've got a, a long iron off the tee and you're coming in with the wedge. So there are a couple of those holes where you're not just bashing driver off the tee every hole. Um, so you can maybe relax for two or three holes out there in, in, in a sense, but yeah, par fives are key out here. And lastly, I mean, your, your strategy, strategy going in this week, um, obviously driving off the tee is, is pivotal around here. There's not many holes where you can not take driver, if you're mm -hmm. being quite honest, like you mentioned, it's quite a beast. Yeah. Um, you know, what, is there anything you've made changes in your equipment, maybe from your bag last week to this week, maybe took out the two iron, added a hybrid or something to that effect? Yeah, the bag's been consistent for the last, I'd say, eight or nine tournaments. But before that, I'd say the only real change is I've, I've put the, the new Strixon ZX-7 5-wood in the bag. Okay. So I've always been a 3-wood player. I just felt like, especially coming into the par 5s, especially in the, in the High Felt and in Joburg side, I was going from 2-iron to 3-wood and kind of missing that, that, middle that mark, yeah. in between higher shots. So the 5-wood's been in the bag and it's, it's long enough where I feel I don't need the 3-wood either. So it's been a... A nice little utility club that I've been using quite a bit these days. So, yeah, everything else is pretty stock standard. Um, and like you say, you've got to drive it well out here. So having the driver, the five wood, and the two iron, even the four iron, as as kind of the options off the tees, it's you, you've got your options at least out here. And you mentioned, you know, distance and and you know having that comfort off the tee. You know, with everything that's been going on from the Bryson DeChambeau to long drive growing in in um, in audience. Have you been pressured in any way to try and pick up a few extra meters and, and have you put in any work towards that or is that something that you know, you've been just working with Sean that comes naturally with your swing? Yeah, I think it would be more in a phased <laughs> place at the moment. But yeah, when I joined back with Sean and going back to Durban the last year or so, um, I rejoined with my uh, physical trainer as well. So okay. having my my trainer available, he's also kind of there and thereabouts, which is exactly yeah. why it's, it's, not, it's, a it's not a holiday anymore. So it's back to business in Durban. So yeah, between Clinton over at Durban Country Club and Sean, they definitely keep me in check. But I wouldn't say we've been chasing distance. I think we've just been chasing better physical health in a yeah. way. Um, and with that comes, you know, extra speed, extra, extra strength, etc. So I do feel in a better place than a year ago as an example. Um, but you're yeah, certainly not chasing the distance per, for any reason yet. But I do feel you know, healthier, if you want to say yeah. that way. Is that, is that something that some guys should be careful, you know, something to be careful um, about, like chasing something like that? You know, it's not, it's not to say that not everyone can hit it long, but it's not meant for everyone to go out on that kind of ex extreme, extreme version of yeah. chasing, chasing numbers like 190 ball speed, 200 ball speed. I mean, that's it's pretty ridiculous. Though. Yeah, and I think us being in that transitional phase yeah. now where it is going to start becoming a big factor in the years to come that yeah, I think I'm still slightly on the generation that's kind of weary of it, if you want to say. Um, but yeah, I think if you had the opportunities to and maybe a good off-season time, mm. um, it would be worth maybe tinkering or at least seeing what the options are. Um, I know with the, the shaft length change now, yeah. they want to restrict it. I mean, I was very curious to see how the longer shafts um, would have played out as well, but I've kind of haven't gone that far yet. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing how an extra half an inch or an inch on your on your shaft can make completely changes. 10 miles yeah. an hour clubhead speed sometimes. So, I mean, once that all settles down and they find exactly where the comfort zone is, it's it's still going to be something that the guys are going to be chasing no matter no matter what. I think it's here for golf in the in the long run. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's not not so much try and get ahead of the curve, but try and keep up as much as you can, maybe. So um, I think 
Dylan Fratelli is a great example. I saw his stat on the PGA Tour, how much he's actually gained. Yeah, I think whatever, it's, so. you were saying um, 20 yards in year-to-year yeah. -year difference. I mean, so it's, it's doable per se. So obviously you hope that results in, in, in results on the course, but I mean, it, it is doable. The guys are able to do it like that. And out here, you know, Sun City, the ball, can you maybe explain, for instance, for a Joburg uh, golfer, what's the difference in like distance um, you know, is there a percentage you add on, subtract, you know, what's the way that you and, and um, the way you look at distance now, is it, is it kind of 10% 10, 10 on, 10% less, or is it more or less the same as the high felt? Yeah, I think, you have to quote me if I'm wrong, but I think it is slightly less altitude, so okay. in theory the ball should go slightly shorter. Shorter, yeah. But with the heat and just the way it feels out here, I've, I've always played it pretty similar to, to Joburg. Okay. And I feel like, if anything, the heat actually makes the ball travel a bit further here. I've, I've seen some, some shots at Sun City that really want to travel. So, yeah. yeah, distance is definitely not something that you, you're missing out here, even if the altitude is, is slightly less. But, yeah, and then for me, like you say, the 10% rule is pretty much an effect for me as well. I've, I was lucky enough that when I went to the States, I changed to yards. Okay. So my coastal readings are all in yards, yards. and then it translates pretty accurately to meters. meters. And, in the high felt so i change between yards on the coast meters in the high felt and then yeah sun city is luckily enough still a, a high felt number for me and then you go to like a swaziland where it's almost in between and then you gotta kind of <laughs> gotta toss it up and exactly then the weather the temperature normally dictates that for me if it's going to be a hot week then i'll stick with meters if it's a colder week maybe move to yards but yeah so far it works I think also having our yardages from last year in our books and stuff, you're always referring back does, to... It does help that you guys have come here quite often exactly. to, to experience different temperatures, different times of the year as exactly well. Exactly that. So you kind of can dial that in quite nicely. Yeah, and the practice rounds tomorrow and Wednesday will also dictate that I'll see if the a time, as an example, is flying the yardage that it was last time. And if it's off by slightly, then you just kind of get a... You'll get an average pretty quickly once you get a few shots out there. And yeah, bring up your practice rounds. What are some of the things, you know, for people who are not accustomed to seeing pros in their element during a practice round. What are some of the things you test out besides, you know, looking at the distance factor? Are you kind of hitting to different sides of the greens? Or are you breaking up, you know, your greens into quarters and kind of seeing where's the attackable pin locations and so on? Yeah, I think Sun City is a great example of that as well. You talk about making the greens into quarters. There's yeah. a lot of clover shaped greens out here at Sun City. so front middle left middle right back and i mean you'll you'll find that the greens are quite big but they actually feel like pretty small targets out there um, and obviously knowing the the common pins from the last few years out here you kind of do get a feel of where they're going to be almost on each day as well you can kind of get pretty close with your guesses if you do enough uh, studying um, so yeah the practice rounds are certainly about knowing which greens the tougher flags are and then working your your kind of safe play your aggressive flags you kind of can pick and choose between the two so like you say, one hole, which you'll have a pitching wedge in both days, it's going to be a green flag the one day and it's going to be a red, red flag, flag when you're playing yeah. safe the next day. So your birdie holes can chop and change out here depending on the flag locations, big time. And lastly, you know, you have one of the, the, the veteran bagmans or, ca you know, caddies out here. Jacob's been, been around the block. He's one on the biggest stage at Alfred Daniel as well with uh, Pablo. Yeah. How nice is it to have that second voice, you know, I think people at home don't always get the full picture of what role a caddy plays and how pivotal that that role is. Can you maybe give us a bit of a, a little explanation into you know how pivotal that relationship, play a caddy relationship, really is? 
Yeah, and Jacob, like you say, Jacob's been, been great for me. We've only, I say only, we've done about nine or ten tournaments yeah. this season. Feels a bit longer than it that. It does though, feel eh? longer. He used to caddy for a good friend of mine, Tyrants. So yes. we used to do a lot of, you know, practice rounds together. So I do feel like I've known Jacob for years. Um, and like you say, his resume is, is pretty pretty outstanding for a, for a guy that's been out here for many, many, many yeah. years. He's he's caddied for a few European tour players. He's done stints in Europe on European and Challenge Tour. Um, he's obviously won at Leopard Creek before. So I mean, he's had a he's had a good run. So I certainly take his advice out there with. <laughs> with a lot of uh, insight and, you know, really like listen to what he's actually yeah. saying because he, he does know what he's doing. And Sun City, if I'm not mistaken, is one of his home courses. I think he started his caddy career yeah. out here. He was caddy master out here for a long time. His family's up in Rustenburg as well. So, I mean, a place like this, he feels very much at home and it certainly, you know, relays into, into the play on the course. He's very comfortable out here, which is great. And how much does that also give you that comfort knowing that for instance at this venue that you mentioned he's been around here for for years and years does that also give you that added comfort when he says rock it's breaking this way does that just give you that extra bit of, of comfort on on those kind of calls absolutely i mean they are like you say, I, I really do actually listen to him like these types of weeks and especially in a course that he knows so well yeah so if he has anything to say it's certainly going to go in one ear sit in the head for a while and and i'm going to think about it so yeah, I mean, he's just a great guy to have out here. He yeah. knows more people than, than half the tour out here. So if you ever need anything as well, I'm just always like, hey, Jacob, Jacob just knows. come help me out here. He's like, oh, there's David, there's Phil, there's all these different guys that he's known for years and years. So, yeah, I think from even knowing which, which toilets to go to, to which, which way the putts are breaking, he knows everything out here, which is great. And, Rock, to close off on, you know, thanks for, for coming on. I think um, this week is going to be quite a challenging one for, I looked at the weather, it, it does say there's a bit of scattered thunder, yeah. thunderstorms. I don't want to say we brought it up from Joburg, but um, how are you going to prepare for that? Are you kind of just going to hope that we somehow get a piece of that in the practice round so that you at least can account for those kind of conditions? Yeah, good question. I think at the point where I'm at now in my career, I've kind of learned to just accept things as they are. So, yeah, we can look ahead and plan and prep. Um, when it comes to playing in those conditions, like you say, luckily we got a taste of it last week as well, because you do come out of a very dry summer and then all of a sudden, I mean, a very dry winter and then yeah. move into a very wet summer. So it is very different conditions. Um, but yeah, whatever the week throws at, us, throws at us this week, come Thursday, Friday, morning, afternoon, we just assess on the day and, and adapt as quickly as we can. So yeah, it's pretty much all foot down come Thursday morning though. Perfect. With that, Rook, thanks so much for coming on. Um, you guys can, I'm sure we're going to be broadcasting all four days, so be sure to tune in and watch Rock in action. Rock, all the best this week, man. Yeah, I appreciate well, it. Thank you very much. I appreciate, uh, yeah, I appreciate the time.